And welcome to another fun night here at the Resurrection Center. Joining us live on this broadcast, I am Mr. Wayne LaPointe, coming to you to get this class for this evening. Thank you for joining in. You can always follow us on www.resurrectionstreetco.org and on social medias, TRC413. So tonight, I want to get right into it because I've been anxious to do this class. God has been speaking to me about this subject. Uh, it says I've done it before. I had to ask God, God, you have to give me another way to preach this message because I've preached on the armor of God twice. So tonight, we're actually going to discuss how to dress yourself with the armor of God. So we're going to start off with the scriptures of Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Again, it's Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And the word says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So we're going to talk about dressing yourself in the armor of God tonight. It all starts with the first piece. You can't put on the armor of God unless first and foremost you have received Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a must. Anybody in the street cannot say they wear the armor of God. There's people who like to pretend to be fake. They're deceivers, saying all kinds of things. But in reality, just for those who might be watching who are um, wondering what God's all about, they might have heard about us, heard about Jesus himself. I know that's how God started working with me. I heard about him in a time of desperation. So the first step is you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You also have to be baptized because that's another step in the walk with Christ. It's being symbolically uh, buried and risen in water like just like Jesus himself did. It's uh, also a symbolism of being cleansed. And the other piece behind baptism is a public way of stating, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm going through what he went through because he made it a commandment where um, we are supposed to do what he does. He said, follow him. So one of the things he did right before he started his ministry, he walked up to John, who was his cousin, and said, I have to be baptized. It's um, only right. The second step I must explain is there's two reasons why we have to wear armor. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. And then we'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 states, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I want you guys to hear this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 is likewise. It states, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we must wear the armor of God for two reasons. A, def defense and protection, and B, attack and assault. Now, it sounds weird when I talk about attack and assault when you're wearing armor, but it holds a purpose. So the first reason why we wear armor is you have to defend yourself. In life, in war, wherever it might be, the armor is made to protect your body. You can't fight something if you're wide open to attack that can instantly put you a compromise to being put to death. Whether it's a sword or arrow, javelin, wherever it might be, they used back in the old days. Anything can hurt you physically almost immediately. Our bodies, our physical bodies, are fragile. Our spiritual bodies, or our spirit, it can be just as fragile, if, especially if we don't take care of it. And we'll, you'll probably understand a lot more about that as we go forward. So, I'll explain the armor pieces in a minute, but we have to defend ourselves and we have to protect ourselves from our mind to our feet. But we also wear armor when we're going to attack. In a spiritual realm especially, we're always being attacked. And there's times, as a, especially in a Christian walk, you, uh, as a member or disciple, you may not be asked to do this. It all depends on the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now be clear on that, never attack the Spirit unless you're specifically led by the Holy Spirit to do so. Because if you do, you're, you're putting yourself in more danger than you can imagine. You're opening yourself up to demons and spirits that are probably stronger than you that will take you out. So I'm only saying this as a warning. Never attack a spirit or demon or spirituality, anything, without praying, getting the Holy Spirit's permission, and so forth. So um, you have to have armor to protect yourself even in the times when you're attacking something. Because you can still be in a war fighting back and forth. Even though that armor is supposed to protect you when it when you're defended, but when you attack in a sword fight, wherever it is, sword, I mean blows can glance off the sword, it can hit you. So it's it's two parts. I can see it in my head, I've always struggled to explain it. Because I love wars, I love sword fights, I love all those kind of movies. So I understand the purpose behind it. So one day God will give you the perfect words. And I know it's coming. But for now, we're going to talk about more of the defense part. So we're going to talk about dressing yourself with the armor of God. And the first one is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is meant to protect your mind. It all starts with Jesus Christ because the helmet of salvation. Salvation was given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's delivering it's delivering us from sin, pain, fear, unforgiveness, and so much more. The helmet protects our minds because Satan's most prized attack is through our minds. 
If he could get us in our minds, he won. Now, it sounds weird because there's so much more to spiritual warfare, battling, but it all starts in the mind. Think of it this way. When somebody says something to you, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, they're planting a seed in your mind. They're planting a seed of hope, of faith, courage, strength, confidence, whatever it might be. But the same token, people can plant seeds of fear, anger, hatred, unforgiveness. So seeds work either way, but it all starts in your mind because if he can get you in your mind, he's got you. He loves to throw darts at you. He loves to throw every, your past at you. And if he gets in your mind, all those seeds will start to plant in our hearts. Now we'll talk about that in a second because that's just as important. But protecting our minds is the most important because at all times our minds are under attack. Even when we sleep, our minds are always under attack. Your dreams, with, um, even if you don't dream, your mind is always going. I've been there when um, I couldn't get my mind to stop. When I was going through my divorce, my brain would not stop. It kept repeating things. The enemy kept attacking me on all stupid little things until Jesus got a hold of me. So now I've felt that peace and freedom when I felt another attack coming one day after I brought my daughter's home and I started using the word against Amy saying, no, I have covered my health and salvation. And I started almost preaching to myself in the car and then I felt the peace. I'm actually feeling that. <laughs> you could feel it in the car, the peace that was starting to overcome me because everything the enemy was trying to do to attack my mind in that moment had vanished. Because I'm reminding him who saved me. I reminded him I'm wearing God's armor. Now, I may not always fully understand how to use it. Each one of us understands it different ways. Armor is not the same for each person. Every sword you look at, every piece of armor you look at, it could be identical, but it's not the exact same. There's always something about it that's different. The way it's made, the material, the design, who made it. Something's always different. Defects, whatever it might be. So, in this case, I had to start actually putting, it's the first time I understood what it meant to really put it into practice using the armor of God. Um, so remember, you gotta protect the mind because that's where the seeds will start to grow. And then when they fall, like rain into your heart, that's where it really gets um, worse. So we're gonna talk about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is meant to protect your heart. And we can read or go to Proverbs, sorry, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And we've all heard this scripture numerous times in the past where pastors stated, you, you hear it in other pastors, you see it in movies, you see it in numerous ways. It speaks about keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. So when the enemy is trying to throw darts and plant seeds in your mind, it works because you can't stop thinking about it. You start mulling over it. You, 
sort of meditate in it, if, if you will, in a bad way because you can't get out of your mind. You keep drilling yourself about it. Whatever your mind is thinking about, whatever images your mind is thinking about, you can't get out of your head. So the more it dwells in there, the more it starts to seep down into your heart. Not your physical heart, but more of like your spiritual heart where who you are comes from. And the more it sits there, the more it festers. And Jesus mentioned in several parables about how a seed can be planted next uh, in um, good soil and bad soil, and thorns and thistles can grow just like the wheat. So we have to be careful what we're allowing our ears, allowing our minds. We have to be careful who's speaking to us or who we allow to speak to us because you never know if they're for you or not. You don't know if the word they're giving you is truly meant to bless you or to harm you because Satan is sneaky. He, he tries using the word of God against you and if you're not prepared for it, it will hurt you and you won't even know it. So you have to protect your mind and protect your heart. Righteousness is just all it means is morally right, but it's according to whose standards. Being morally right and righteous is being right according to the standards and laws according to God, not man. Because I can ask anybody in this room, I can ask anybody watching, and they're each going to have your own standards of what you believe is you're right, I'm a good person, but that's not what cuts it. That's not how it works. Many people I know like to believe that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. Well, I'm a good person too, but I also know I sin. I truly admit, in, in my lifetime, I'm four years old, I truly admit in my lifetime, I've broken all ten of the commandments. Now, no, I haven't killed somebody, but we know how God is. God is so righteous and holy that to Him, anger is not just the same as murder. Lusting after somebody is the same as adultery. So yes, I can say I've broken all Ten Commandments. I haven't worked for somebody, but I've hated some people. Oh, believe me, I've had some hatred towards people before I met God. And it took God time to clean that anger out, the lustful desires out, and everything else I've done in my lifetime. I wasn't the greatest son. I broke them all. But I thank God that he started teaching me what righteousness really meant. And it's not easy to follow. He never said it was going to be easy. Not once in the Bible did it say it's going to be easy. He just, all he says, take up your cross and follow me. If we follow him, it will make it easier to deal with. But it's not going to be easy no matter what we try. He just makes it possible to get through it because we have a helper along the way. It's like trying to walk through mud and it's getting harder and you're getting harder as you try to walk because it's getting deeper, it's getting heavier. But with Jesus there, it's like walking on top of the water. He makes it easy as long as we keep our eyes on him. Now, if you want to know, okay, wait, how do I know what it means to be righteous? How do I figure that out? How do I learn God's laws and standards? 
Easy. There's 66 books in the Bible that will teach you that. Don't believe me? Pick it up. Read it. Now, it may not teach you all in the right way, being all the positive stuff, but the Bible shows many, many examples of how, in the past, the Israelites or other people have sinned. So, God uses both the negative and the positive to teach us His righteous ways. We need to see what's the negative piece from the past, all the sinful things that the Israelites have done, the Moabites and all the other ites that they've been around have done cause sin to the point where God wiped them out. So, that is a lesson in itself. And I say this because I used to always complain at work years ago because I always wanted to learn what it meant to be a leader. They made me a lead, but I didn't understand what it meant because all I ever saw was negativity out of my boss. I'm like, for once, I would like to learn something positive. But then somebody had to teach me, I am learning something. It's learning what not to do. <laughs> so <clears throat> learning is learning. It's learning what not to do or learning what to do. So when you learn what not to do, you are learning what to do. So either way, it's still something you need to learn. So again, from the beginning to the end of the Bible, there's 66 books you can read on what it means to be righteous in the eyes of God, our Father in heaven, who has created all things. We can't go based on our standards. We have to live on his standards. Amen. Um, next one. The shield of faith. The shield of faith is what I kind of felt earlier is our great hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith comes from believing, hope, learning about Jesus, what he promises us, how he is, how he works, how he thinks. Now we all know God is so mighty, there's too much to learn about God, to fully understand God. But he does let us learn about him or else we would never be able to get close to him. And his ultimate goal is for us to be with him. He wants the relationship with us. So if we're going to have a relationship with God, he's got to let us in. Just like, more importantly, we have to be willing to open ourselves up to let him in us because relationships are two ways and we have to have faith and believe knowing that he's there at all times he can do all things he can help us in every way he can help us out of everything Jesus said himself that we have to abide in him which means we have to let him dwell in us and we have to dwell in him that's the only true way we're going to grow, we're going to learn, we could be protected at all times. And this also means abiding in Him, living in Him, regardless of what we feel or what we think we understand. We need to trust in Him at all times. The Bible states it. Not, do not lean onto our understanding, lean onto His. If we lean onto our understanding, our understanding is failed and flawed and only goes so far as what we have learned and been taught. 
God's understanding is limitless. It's infinite. He created all things. He knows all things. He can see all things. He knows what it was in the beginning when he said, let there be light. He knows what's going to be in at the end of the days. We can't. We can barely see past five minutes from now. And I know it sounds wrong, but think about it. I can walk out that door and my time is up. I don't know what's happening two seconds from now. He does. So if I abide in him and I trust in him, whether or not my time is up one second from now or 50 years from now, it ain't going to matter because I trust in my Lord. <clears throat> and also, when it comes to the shield of faith, it's protecting ourselves through faith because Satan uses fear to cause doubt in our minds. Again, Satan loves to attack our mind because he gets our minds, he gets us. He causes fear in us through multiple ways because his ultimate goal is for us to have doubt in the one who has called us. He wants us to doubt the one who has made us because if we doubt, then we start to backslide, we start to question, we start to wonder, we don't believe anymore, and there goes our faith. Our faith is something that Satan cannot stand against if it's true faith. I mean true faith. People can say they have faith, but Satan still attacks them. They, uh, Satan still does horrendous things to people because it's false faith. It's faith built on misunderstanding. But if you truly read the word, pray, and many other things, which I'll get to a little bit more or, uh, later on, you'll start to understand God more. Your faith will slowly grow because now you're believing in God's promises. You're believing in what God says he can do and will do for you. You will see how he works in your life. So for a small example, I pray to God on something. We'll use Prophet Millie because she's not here, so I want to include her. God gets her word. She gives it to me. I know for a fact nobody knows what I was praying on. That's proof to me. God is real. He says, He's listening to me. My faith grows. So we have to dig deeper into God. We have to get closer to God. We need to allow Him to build the faith in us. Faith is a gift. It's not something we're born with. It's something He gives us when we accept Him. And it grows based on our relationship with Him. So next, we're going to discuss the belt of truth. Keep it close to you at all times. The Word of God says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It protects us against lies and deceptions. And without truth, without the belt, the rest of the armor is pretty much useless. Because without truth, how do you know how to use the rest of the armor? How do you know how to protect your mind? And why is it important to protect your mind or your heart? Or how you use the shield of faith against the enemy? Jesus is the truth. And in him is all things. So what this is saying is we need to seek him more. We need to seek the truth. The more truth we seek, the more truth we learn, the deeper we get into God, 
the brighter the light within us grows, and the enemy cannot stand the light. The Bible states darkness cannot comprehend the light. So the light of truth needs to dwell in us. And the belt represents something that you wrap around you that protects part of your lower limbs, but also it's like attaching it to yourself. So you keep it with you at all times. You want to know it's there, you feel it's there, and you're living with it at all times. Now, the belt of truth, think of it this way. You're always keeping Jesus with you. He is the truth. You want him there at all times within you because he protects you. He guides you. He directs you. He, he can heal you. He can set you free. He can do all things. And once you start to learn the truth, you understand the truth, now it sets you free to speak the truth. You guard the truth because you're going to fight for that truth when you know it's the right thing to do. And you're willing to follow the truth, even more so. So keep Jesus as close to you as possible, like a belt. Keep it around you at all times. Because when it comes to the armor, the belt also holds the sword, which we'll talk about in a minute. So it's just as important, now I'm wearing a belt, that all it is is holding my pants up. Not really, but it looks nice. So, in other cases, it does hold up people's pants because they're loose and they need it to stay up, to look proper. So, this has a purpose. It holds my pants up or it makes me look good. In this case, both. So, we're going to talk about the next one, which is it's kind of long, but it's shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which represents the courage to speak. The gospel means good news. What is the good news? It's the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus Christ himself, when he started preaching his ministry, he always said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Now, the, the good news is that God's or God's government, God himself, has come down to earth, not to take over, but to show us the real way, the truth, how to really live, to set us free, to heal us. So the kingdom of hand is not, it's more than just a, a, a government, a rule. It's so much more. It's love, peace, freedom, guidance, healing, love, it, it's much more. It's praising and worshiping. It's a whole new way of life. And that's what he came down to do. He called us to a new way of life. It's in his kingdom. Where there's no more mourning, there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. There's peace, there's joy, there's life, there's love, there's light, there's Freedom from your past, pain, hurt, what your father did to you, what your mother did to you, what your spouse did to you, what your children did to you, what your neighbor did to you, it's like all washed away. If we're only willing to trust in him, that's what the good news means, but the preparation part means, the preparation of the gospel piece means 
at any given time, we as disciples of Christ, or leaders, it doesn't matter what your title is, as long as you accept Jesus Christ as your life, we're all on the same level. We're all disciples. We must be ready at any given time to be ready to speak the gospel. Which means if somebody comes in, and let's say I'm the only one here, I need help, I need prayer. I can't say, I'm sorry, I'm not ready. I didn't know you were coming. I have no idea what to say. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. If I said that, God might have just strike me dead right then and there. Because he called me to help that person. I'm supposed to pray for that person. If that's what she needs or he needs at that moment, that's my job. I'm supposed to be ready at all times. I had a friend at work. Out of blue, came up to me. Blew my pants off because I didn't expect it. He's like, dude, I need you to pray for me. Okay. I was shocked. I was like, cool. Somebody actually wants me to pray for him. So I prayed for him. And at one point, he actually came here. So I was actually ecstatic. And I keep praying for him because I know one day he's going to be back here. I pray for many people that have asked me to pray for him. Now, there's also times where it's not just prayer. Let's say somebody comes in and God puts something in my heart to speak to them. I have to be ready to speak. I can't just say, God, I'm not ready. I don't understand what you're going to tell them. Is it the right time? I don't know who this person is. I don't know how they're going to take it. It doesn't matter. God tells me to speak. i got to speak. You have to be obedient. Preparation means you got to be ready at all times. I know us as disciples, especially if you're... Um, excuse me for this term, but if you're a baby in the walk, and I say this because you could have just accepted Jesus yesterday, you're, you're, you're going to be a baby in the walk. You could be in it for a couple years. You can still be a baby in the walk because you're still walking through your mess to get where God wants you to the point where you're cleaned up enough where he believes you're ready to go to the next level. I can say that. I was like that for a couple of years. God had to clean a lot of mess out of me. A lot of it was anger, hurt, unforgiveness, resentment. I was holding so much in. But he healed me. Pastor used to always try to push me. Not me push me in a negative way. I mean push me to come out of my comfort zone. Push me to do more because he wants to see me grow type of pushing. So I used to always tell him, I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know what to say to people. I don't know what I was supposed to do. So one day we go to talk to somebody. And I think I came in a little late. So I just sit down. I'm, I'm here, what's going on? And I start talking. I start bringing up scripture, this, this, that. So after the little meeting was over, we, we come out of the chapel at work. And the, the lady we were talking to went one way, we went another. And he's like, I thought you didn't know how to evangelize. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when you're putting a pressure to do it, especially if you're trusting God, it just happens. It flows. I, I, I can't explain how I did it or why I did it. I can't explain what's going through my mind. It's just the fact that I let go. And I let God. So be ready at all times to speak the word of God. Last is the sword of the spirit. It's to defend yourself. 
Now, the sword of the Spirit represents the Word of God. Now, we all know the Word of God is the Bible. The Bible was inspired by God through man to be written. So we have 66 books of stories, life lessons, guides, what to do, what not to do, what has happened in the past, what's going to happen in the future. It's there as an instruction manual. One of the sisters I used to know used to always say, the Bible needs... Uh, I had it in my head and it just disappeared. Basic, basic information before leaving the earth. Yep, thank you. As soon as I said it, he said it. So it means basic information before leaving the earth. There was actually a second one she said. I thought it was cool, but I don't remember that one. So the sword of the spirit represents the word of God. The word of God is power. It's truth. But here's the thing is, that power that truth can be used the correct way, they can be used the wrong way. People have misused the Word of God. Satan is the prime example of that. And I'll get to that in one second. He's a prime example about how you use the Word of God to twist people's minds. He did it to Eve. He tried to do it to Jesus. He used the Word of God against Eve. He said the truth. Twisted it just enough so it sounded enticing. It made her want to do it. Now she we have no idea what the time frame was. We don't know how long he is trying to entice her. We don't know if it was one hour or thirty years. We have no idea. But the fact is we know she did it. So we were given the word of God to learn how to parry deflect attacks. The sword is used for defense and offense. And the whole thing is, the more you learn, the more you read the word, the stronger you become. The sharper you become. Because now you know if something something saying to you is the truth, or if it's baloney. Because you'll remember, or almost remember if it's in the Bible. So like say, Emily says something, Sounds familiar. I don't know if it's exactly right. Let me go check the Bible. Yeah, she's right. Or nope, she's not. The more you learn, the more it'll stick in your mind. The more it'll stick in your heart. The more when something doesn't seem right, the spirit of sermon will let you know something's just not right or something is right. So when it comes to a sword, for example, the more you learn how to use a sword, the better you get the stronger you get. When you first use a sword and you have a mentor trying to teach you, every time he hits you, the swords will go flying. You probably go flying with it because you don't know how to stand. You don't know how to balance. You don't know how to hold it. You don't know how to swing it. You don't know how to defend yourself. You don't know how to, um, how hard to hold it. If you hold it too hard, you break your wrist. There's a lot of things that can happen. So the more you learn, in this case, reading the Bible, the more you understand how to use that weapon to defend yourself, to protect yourself, but also to attack the enemy. Now I'm not talking about my neighbor who keeps getting on my nerves, I'm talking about spiritual enemies. So you have to remember, any person could be a pain in your side, hide, a thorn in your side, a problem, a headache, however you want to term it, 
remember, this is spiritual warfare. The enemy is somehow trying to use them to get to you. So you always have to remember when the stuff is going, it's not easy. Trust me, it's not easy. I'm still trying to learn myself. Not in all cases, I've gotten a lot better, thank God. But you have to remember, it's a spirit or demon or something that's influencing these people to annoy you. So if I know how to use the, the Holy Bible as a weapon, I can pray against those spirits, assuming I have the authority and permission to do so. Now, yes, you can pray against certain things, but when you're really doing warfare, you got to be careful. So, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. And this relates directly to what I'm trying to talk about when it comes to the Word of God, how Satan tried to use the Word against Jesus. So the Word says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God. So first, he's, he's got that, trying to get him to think by saying, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil t took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, Again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now, here's where he's trying to use the word against Jesus. Now, before I answer this piece, how out of your mind do you got to be to try to use the word of God against him? <laughs> like, he doesn't know what you're going to say, let alone he's the one who kind of created it. It states, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, why do I want to bring this up? Because I recently learned, I never caught this before, but I recently learned that little script, that last piece I said, is only a small part of a di different scripture. Satan uses scripture, but he doesn't give you the whole context. He doesn't give you all of the scripture. He uses what he needs to use to try to use it against you. So if you don't know any better, you're going to fall to his trap. You're going to fall to his lies. He loves to deceive people. He loves to trap people in his lies because he knows if he can get us up here, he won. So, like I said, I don't know you got to have some guts, I'm going to leave it at that, to really kind of challenge Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with his own word, especially knowing that you're not using it at all. So, Satan knows where he's going, but yet again, he will still continue to fight, and he fights those who he hates the most, and he knows Jesus loves us, God has sent his son for us, he sent us the Holy Spirit. He hates God so much that he hates us because we remind him of God, the one who threw him out of heaven, the one who condemned him to eternal life in hell. So Satan is trying really hard 
He's thrown everything into his books against you. Not because he finds his kids, because he wants to destroy us. Out of spite for the one who, who's sending him down to hell. His day is coming, and we all know it. But in the meantime, we need to protect ourselves at all times. Satan is not going to give up. It, believe you me, and for those who are watching, especially, Satan only attacks those who believe. He doesn't need to attack non-believers. He already has them. Atheists, he loves atheists. Because he knows they're like his best buddies. Because he does his work for them. Or like your phrase that, they do his work for him. They fight God and everything God stands for. So Satan has ambassadors, if you want to call them. But Satan hates believers because of who we represent, who we remind them of. So he's going to attack you with everything he, he can. So we got to put on the full armor of God. You have to dress yourself daily. Even if you have to speak it out loud, I put the helmet of salvation over my head because God is my Savior. I put the breastplate on and you go down the whole list. Satan, however, the Holy Spirit is putting in your heart. Because like I said, everybody's armor is different. We all have the armor of God, but my armor looks different than Radimus's, Dave's, Yolanda's, Emily's, Christina's, everybody. We all have armor, but they're all different. So I have to know God help me learn how to put my armor on so it's effective at all times. So Satan cannot harm me. He can't get to my mind, which I know if he gets to my mind, everything's going to get placed in my heart. Now, what goes into my heart is not going to come out in actions. Natural problems really start to come out. So, in closing, <coughs> um, we cannot use armor without learning how to use it. I can try to put armor on, but if I don't know how to put it on, so it's stupid. It may not fit, it may fall off. It's just going not be useful. So how do I learn how to use the armor? Read the Bible. Again, there's 66 books in there that teaches you how to be righteous, how to do things right, how to not do things right. Your armor is everything you need from the Bible. Pray. I'm a teacher. I'm a minister. We have a pastor. We have apostles. We can tell you guys how to do all this. But God is perfect. He knows how you need to wear your armor the best way. I could try to guide you. I could try to say, I think you're doing it wrong. You want to do it this way. The apostles could try to do the same thing. And I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying God is the author of all perfection. You need to seek him out. Everybody needs a mentor. So if I have somebody try to teach me how to put an armor on, how to use a sword, how to swing it, how to protect myself, I need to speak to somebody. Why not go to the one who knows how to do it best? Come into Bible sessions, Sunday services, all special types of classes like discipleship classes or leadership classes, whatever the resurrection center offers, or if you have an idea or something you want to learn, pass it to pastor. All these things help develop you, your mindset, 
how you think, how you understand, how you see Jesus Christ, how you see God, the Holy Spirit, how you see them together as one, how you see them as separate. It helps you understand everything. So, reading, praying, coming to church on Wednesdays, coming to church on Sundays, taking classes, getting involved, speaking to your fellow brothers, your fellow sisters, having meetings with pastors, or whatever it takes. God has given us a multitude of ways to learn, to train ourselves on how to use the armor of God. So, at this, I say thank you for joining in. I want to thank everybody who's watching on the live broadcast to this message. Please join us on Sunday. We'll be here again doing another live broadcast. Uh,